welcome to the Any Given Thursday podcast, Max and David with you as always. That was a fun new thing we just did. I hope you noticed. Um, well, we've just had our first round of eliminations in the Europa and the Conference League since the new year has begun. Um, it's a very exciting drama. We had four penalties uh, over the course of the two competitions go to penalties, which was fun. Uh, that's 25% of the total games played today. It's a pretty yeah. good record. Um, Golazzo was losing your mind about it. Um, and then proceeding to not air the penalties the second, as they were in the happening. The second window of games, there was dueling penalties. Nico was very excited about it. He's like, that's what this is for, dueling penalties, shootouts. And then they really only showed one penalty shootout. Yeah. Well, I had a text Max during one of the games when there were two in extra time, and they were just sitting there talking about the United post game. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this game's in extra time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um, switch over to just putting both games on my laptop and like, split screen. I gotta but... say before we go get going here, um, really bad Golazzo lineup yesterday. Yeah. Like Freddie Lundberg, obviously was an incredible player. Mm-hmm. Really joyful to watch. Um, but this really isn't his strength, I would say. Um, and his outfit choice didn't help him that much. He had a jacket on with a with a sweater, a zip sweater, like a quarter zip sweater that had big collars popping out over the top of the yeah, wasn't <laughs> the, his the, over his shoulder. I'm like, what is they wearing? Man, and a tie underneath, very strange. Um, but I've had this problem on his on when he's on the UCL Golazzo show mm-hmm. midweek. It's just. I feel like he mostly just says what's happening. <laughs> like he had this one really weird moment too that I'll get to in the Michelin game where he like sort of blamed referees for not wanting northern yeah. countries to be in tournaments. Long. I was really? like, what? <laughs> we'll get to that. I had to watch um, without sound, so I was yeah, uh, good for you. Kind of fortunate and then, there. You know, Manchester United lady was there. What whatever happened to Laurence? I want Laurence yeah, back. He's, I think. I love Laurent. He's great. Yeah. Uh, let's get. I thought he was let's doing bring, it this week. Let's just have Gab and Jules, Jules do it live on their podcast. How good would that be? I Jules, would love that. we need you back, man, because that call it like, no offense, but also offense. They're bad at it. I think Nico is actually. Nico's fine. He's very reasonable. N- Nico's, at it. Like, Nico's just kind of a dork. Like he'll yeah. the way he pronounces stuff. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. overpronounce it. It's kind of fun though. It's yeah. endearing. To no, but extent, he but... he really shown out today as like the yeah. only competent person. Also, he's the host during games, but not. In after words. games, yeah. I don't know what they're doing over there. It's weird the concept is great. Get better at it, CBS. Um, but yeah, let's uh, start in the obvious place today. Manchester United, Barcelona, Manchester two, Barcelona one. Manchester United advances four three on aggregate into the round of sixteen. And again, we come away from the t- from the second leg of this tie, as much like the first, being very impressed with United. Mm-hmm. Um. Specifically, Eric Ten Hag, I Specifically think, Aaron just shown himself to be a wonderful manager in knockout competitions. I mean, yeah. they're in the final of the League Cup. They're doing really well in the Europa League. And obviously, I think again, still it's... most famous for that run to the semis with Ajax in yeah. the Champions League, mm-hmm. um, where he was no match for Lucas Moura. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it played out sort of the inverse though of how it did in the first leg which mm-hmm. united came out with tactics that surprised barcelona um barcelona in the second half ended up adjusting um and the last 20 25 minutes so really bossed the game um but not enough to take it not enough to turn it around completely in this game united came out a little sluggish um and the first half didn't have a lot going for them they didn't concede a lot of chances to barca but um 
one tactical thing that we'll get to did end up with Bruno conceding a little bit of a soft penalty in my opinion, but one that's defensible to be called. Um, so Barcelona go into the half one nil up. Um, and then that's when Ten Hag gets spicy, changing stuff around, affecting mm. the game, um, and immediately making a difference. But let's start from the very beginning here. Yeah. Um, you know, last last week, Ten Hag made headlines for throwing Vout Bo- Veghorst into the midfield. Um, this time, he did not do that. He started Vout as a number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been doing this sometimes. He's shifting Bruno Fernandez out to the right, yeah. presumably. Then, I mean, he's really good with his right foot. You get those... You know, it, good crosses in out swingers or in swingers. You can read the game well from over there as well. Yeah, you get um, those crosses into the big head of Bout. And um, it also, I think it opens up space in the middle of the park for when Rashford's playing centrally for him to make mm-hmm. those runs. Uh, but this time, we put Rashford over on the left, and I think we saw as good as Marcus Rashford is, he does have limitations when you put him on the wing, and he's just so much I mean, better you, centrally. Would, I don't know if that's true. I, I think it, it is. I don't think Rashford was. I think good, more but, to the issue today. Was well, the one crazy thing he did was put a uh, not crazy, but Sancho through the middle. Um, I guess Sancho has had some struggles since he joined United out on the left. Um, maybe not being able to fully take people on, mm-hmm. but you know, he's good with the ball tied at his feet. So maybe the thinking was, yeah, um, you know, like a floor invert style thing, someone else will get to later in the podcast. That wasn't really working. Um, the, the goal basically came from. Fernandez having to track back on the right though because um you know what Barca want they want Balde basically as a winger yeah um in their 4-3-3 they end up with you know like what they do usually it's Gavi and Pedri in there instead of uh Kessier and Roberto yeah um but on the when the lineup sheet comes out you have like usually Gavi in this case Roberto up on the left in the forward line in the front three, but really it's like kind of like a box midfield, you know, mm-hmm. um, with the four of them with Busquets and De Jong at the base, Gavi and Pedri higher up this time it's Kessie and Roberto higher up. And then you have Balde like gunning up and, and the other and the center backs and Kunde shifting over yeah. into a three. Um, it means someone's got to account for Balde. If like Juan Bissaka who started on the right today, gets stuck up mm-hmm. uh, top. So that's becomes Bruno's responsibility, which is a little mm-hmm. bit of a weird, like he can track back, but it's a little bit yeah. of a weird matchup for him. That's how he ends up conceding the penalty mm-hmm. one-on-one with Balde in the box. Yeah. Um. So at halftime, because United were a little sluggish, they uh they switch. Um, Beghorst comes off. He didn't really get a lot of touches. Um, not necessarily his fault. You know, yeah. Barca were pretty successfully you know, stopping balls into Fred and Casemiro in the midfield and making them sort of go long, but they didn't really have the outlet that they wanted. So Veghorst comes off, Rashford goes central, Sancho goes out left until he's taken off in the 67th minute for Garnacho. Fernandez goes middle, and then Antony comes on on the right, um, hoping to expose some of that pace or that space left in behind by Balde, and it ends up sort of changing the game. Definitely. United score in the first like two minutes of the second half. Um, it's uh, a bit of bad play by Barca. I thought that was yeah they did a poor job playing out of the back. I the turnover was it wasn't like an unforced error, but it wasn't. It was more Barca's fault than United's, and then it's a great bit of play from Bruno and Fred. A mm-hmm. really good layoff by Bruno. Great I think Bruno's going Fred. out further right. I think mm-hmm. I think he's playing out to Anthony on the right side. Yeah, 
Fred intercepts it, and it's really his first touch that gets him in. Like it's a brilliant first touch with the ball coming at pace because it's not. I don't think I'd skip Bruno the credit because I yeah. was like, I don't think I don't he's playing that to Fred, him, but... so it's coming in hot. And Fred's first touch effortlessly. I'm always surprised when I see Fred with like a level of quality like that, which is maybe harsh on the guy, but he's been you know for he's been. You can see how much better he looks next to someone like Casemiro, like yeah. who who can really control the pace of the game. Um, you know, it, it's no wonder that McTominay <laughs> wasn't his perfect uh, yeah. <laughs> midfield partner. Yeah, it allows Fred to do sort of like a roaming eight thing. And every now and then you see him like put through a pass like he did in the first leg or, you know, get in for a goal like he did today. It was a really nice finish. Exactly what they exactly what they needed. Um, and they were having a lot of sort of success in the second half going long. Um to those flanks um, and getting Rashford and Anthony like taking on people. Mm-hmm. Um, the second goal, I think, comes from a long ball to Shaw gunning up the left. Yeah. And United take a couple of blocked shots. It ends up at Anthony, who takes, I think it's technically a volley, a low volley that he blasts into the far post. Really nice goal. It is a um, really nice goal. Uh, it was after a few blocked shots, too. Yeah. And Barca were kind of on the back foot, just throwing their bodies in front of the ball and Anthony got the little space he needed and great finish from him. And yeah, and it's it, good to see him on the score sheet because he's been pretty disappointing since moving to United. So it's nice mm-hmm. to see him kind of get a little, yeah, I don't know little win under but he hasn't, been, like, he hasn't been a world beater. Like Max or, cost $80 million. I know. Like, yeah, you know, he's 21 or 23, 23. I thought he was 21. Yeah. Um, cost $80 million and he doesn't bottom. play most of the time. Yeah. he's not he's playing less than half the minutes right now if yeah. you spend that much money on a player i think it's harsh to like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say he's a bust right away like he's had a couple of moments and i'm you know i think he deserves it a chance to come in a little bit a especially because he's like a ten hog player yeah. like i don't think you can write him off as a bust now but to yeah. say he's not I mean, been wasn't even in the team season. two months ago yeah and now to say he's not he's been starting and yeah. i think is yeah a little bit sancho wasn't even in the team two months ago and now he's like one back trust you know yeah. so and sancho you know has been there a year and a half barely made an impact he costs 70 million. It's basically, I just think it's impressive what Ten Hog is getting out of some of these guys. Like you mm-hmm. look at their lineup on paper and you're like, maybe they have a good first 11, but like, obviously Veghorst didn't have a huge impact today, but to have guys like him um, and Fred contributing like they are, he brings in Juan, Wasa- Juan Basaku was a pretty good game today. Who's been out of favor. Um, guys like Sancho that, you know, haven't really gotten any momentum since moving a year and a half ago. And I mean, an 18 year olds off the bench. Yeah. Garnacho, like Garnacho, uh, who, I, mean, I mean, he is a good prospect, but he's still only 18. Yeah. So to be contributing in a Europa league game. Yeah. Is impressive. It's really impressive. And yeah, I mean, it's, he just seems to really have a, like a feel for rotation mm-hmm. and both in terms of like uh game to game with the, with the roster he has, but also like, in-game positional switching like he's already doing some like crazy pep shit yeah <laughs> in terms of positional rotation like it wasn't as much the case today but um people swapping positions and and trying to confuse the defense he's just really creative yeah um and i don't know if i when he was at ix i sort of processed how like how hipster he can get because you know yeah. they, they had their i mean he had a modern you know pressing style with ix it's just mm. like for me that's just like ix Football, this is what but, Ix does, yeah. It yeah, felt so like... it, it, I, I think I didn't. Not only is his like man management, like and 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 team cohesion thing, seem to be really superb. He has that classic Alex Ferguson, like no, can't fuck with me, like 
he's taken control of a club that was like such a mess. He handled the Ronaldo thing with such grace. I'm just like, like sometimes he overdoes it maybe in tactically, but I'm sort of out of superlatives for him. I'm just like endlessly impressed. I think he just, he made it really tough on Xavi as well, because you look at this 11 and you look at what they've done the last few games and you say, Oh, we know exactly how they're going to line up. Mm Sancho is going to be on the left Rashford through the middle Weghorst as a 10, yeah. right? Because that's almost exactly what they've been doing, just Sancho in for uh, whoever they had starting last game. I can't remember off the top of my head. But then he moves Rashford out wide, Weghorst up top, and it just it makes Xavi have to pause and think, even if it didn't work super well in the first half. But you know, he, he's not consistent. He's, he's consistent in getting people mm-hmm. on the field and allowing them to play and play into form, but he's yeah. going to mix it up tactically. Yeah. And it makes it hard on the opposing manager who can't just come out and do the same yeah. thing. And when he came in, when he came in in the, um, in the summer, you know, he had a very he wanted to play a very specific way. He wanted to build up from the back like religiously, um, and you know, then when he realized like, you know, McGuire was out of form, De Gea had some really bad errors. Mm-hmm. He's like, he he's willing to sort of adapt the team. And now you see like they beat. Barca in these two legs because of long balls, basically. Yeah. Um, you see like the like maybe not his like perfect way of playing in a vacuum, but that he can adjust and get things out of different groups of guys is yeah, endlessly impressive. Barca only had six shots today. Um I, some of them were pretty yeah. good shots. They should have had an equalizing goal, but David De Gea had David De Gea, incredible save. David De Gea and he also almost saved the penalty from Lewandowski too. Yeah, he got a hand to it. Yeah. Leva, Lua does sort of like a hezzy on the, mm-hmm. you know, sort of the make the keeper dive. He gets De Gea to go that halfway down, mm-hmm. but De Gea makes a really impressive recovery. He gets a big hand to it and is very unlucky that it goes into the side netting. Um yeah, and then he makes another exceptional save later. Um, in the end of the two legs, it's hard not to say that United didn't deserve to mm-hmm. go through here. Um, I thought they were the better team. Barca, again, like... But it was competitive. Yeah. You know, and it, it was up, super competitive. It lived up to the hype. And Barca just has a... And, yeah, Barca obviously missed Gabi and Pedri today. Absolutely. Um, I thought Kessier did a good job in replacement. Uh, Roberto didn't impress me at all. I didn't see no. much of him. He just had trouble getting involved, which... Mm-hmm. You know, Juan, credit to Juan Bissaka, who I think a lot of people were sitting there being like, oh, man, is that going to backfire? He can, he can at least games? defend one-on-one, you know. Yeah. That's kind of his. He still looks awkward as fuck when he gets into attacking areas. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, rotation between him and, and, and Dalo, you know, you have some different options there. Yeah. Um, I think Juan Bissaka was probably in to deal with, like, Balde. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. So United see the tie through. Um, very impressive for them. Barca again have this seem to have this gap between uh league and Europe that they can't overcome the last year and a half yeah. or the last year or so under under Xavi. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it was Frankfurt last year that eliminated yeah. them, and obviously, Frankfurt was a good team, they went on to win the Europa League. and this year, though, getting knocked out of the Champions League again to two good teams, right? Yeah. Inter and Bayern are very good teams, and United is a good team. But this is Barcelona, like yeah, they, and they're leading, they they're, would be expecting. I think they're to eight these. points clear in the in mm-hmm. La Liga right now, and yeah. oh, they're not always that impressive week to week, but they are very consistent, yeah, which is what they're struggling for here. I wonder if there's something about like I think Xavi has potential to be a really good coach long term. And he's obviously he's turned around the the quality of the team pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did bring in a lot of good players this summer, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know how impressive that is. But I wonder sometimes if their if their adaptability 
suffers occasionally when um in some of these in some of these moments when they have trouble dealing with different sorts of pressures mm-hmm. um i don't really i don't really have an answer for that um at the moment but it's interesting something to keep an eye on um as Jabi's tenure goes forward at this point they're probably going to win la liga so yeah it'd be won't have a pretty embarrassing fall if they yeah so the pressure is on him you know that'll yeah, I think they I think they have faith in him long term, especially as there's could be a storm coming with the scandal. Yeah. And they're gonna need a steady like yeah, old school Barca from, hand. From the uh La Liga Duke. Yeah. When, as a Barca here. lifer and legend of the team, like he has sort of a, a standing there. Absolutely. Um but it'll be interesting moving forward. We've probably talked about this game too much. Yeah. Um I mean, it was, but it's the blockbuster fixture. Yeah, you know, it was arguably the biggest European fixture of the and week. So. Interesting the coverage it got. Like it definitely put the Europa League back in the spotlight a little bit and mm-hmm. overshadowed some of the Champions League stuff. It's all anyone can talk about. It's trending on Twitter, which doesn't usually happen in the Europa League. Um, well, they're always trending on my Twitter. Yeah. Like that's because yeah. I only click on Europa League stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, congratulations, United. As much as it pains me, they seem... Mm-hmm. I think this is, like, the final thing for me to be like, oh, they're, like, they're back. Yeah, like, I think they might be the new betting favorites for yeah, winning the Europa League. Arsenal. Because I think uh, Arsenal, people are concerned about like, oh, they're in the title race. And so they might not be as focused as United will be for this competition. Mm-hmm. And United are just in slightly better form right now. Yeah. Uh, but they got Real Betis well, in the next yeah, round. Let's do this after. Let's do this. Oh, okay. After. I want to do this after. They got Real Betis, but we're going to do a. Yeah. We'll, if you guys we'll, didn't know, we'll the draws again. for both competitions have come out mm-hmm. at the end of our coverage on each of these. We will we'll just go through that and yeah. do some like early thought from, you know, gut thoughts. Okay. We'll um, look at that later. Let's go on to the other most exciting game. Probably the craziest tie I've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh was Monaco two, Leverkusen three, which meant it was five five on aggregate, went all the way to pens where Leverkusen won five three to advance them into the round of sixteen. Um literally just the opposite result of <laughs> yeah. of last week. It was three two Monaco on the road. This week it's three two Leverkusen on the road. I, I I can't remember exactly what I picked, but did I not pick Leverkusen on penalties after this exact scoreline? Did you did you take it on penalties? I can't remember. Or was it extra? I'm pretty sure here, David's gonna look it up in real time. I'm I feel like the big time claim to fame for me here, if that was true. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. You picked Leverkusen hey! on penalties with that scoreline. Good job. Wow, I picked exactly right. Yeah. Good for me. What was it you, you picked in that one? I picked Monaco because cool. they were looking pretty good. And it was a tough game. So It was a tough game. It could have gone either way, but I do feel like Leverkusen was the better team in three of the four halves of this tie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the – I'll go through the goals and stuff in a minute. But with that, I, feel, I do feel like – I mean, they look dangerous so often in this tie. And it's hard to say they didn't put it to bed on the offensive end because they scored five goals in the tie. Yeah. I do think there's some youth and inexperience with them um, that seems like it makes it difficult for them to see some of these out the way they should. You know, that I thought the first leg, like I losing think... that lead was a little bit of a fluke because they're both such exceptional shots for the equalizer and the winner for Monaco. Yeah. But in this case, again, you know, they're they're down to the last 10 minutes of the game. It's all gone pretty well for them since the Ben Yedder penalty. It's all in control. Um and then they just they just struggle. And then they they almost conceded again to lose, but it was offside. Yeah. So I think they're or the ball was like inches out of play. Um again, something I'll get to, but they I just don't think they're I don't think they're a real threat to win this tournament. Uh just because of they you know, they're still working on 
gaining that um sort of composure yeah um but anyway the game gets started hot and heavy very florian verts taps in the 13th minute after an error from from the goalkeeper um what's his name nubel yeah nubel um nubel had a rough one the the ball is uh kind of crossed from the end line kind of goes through nubel's hands um right to verts who taps in to give them the tie on the aggregate um then uh Ben Yedder penalty in the 19th minute puts Monaco back, back in front. Just two minutes after that, Palacios, Nico, Nico um, Galazzo likes to point out every time somebody was on the Argentina squad that won yeah. the World Cup, Palacios, <laughs> even though I'm not sure how many minutes he got in the World Cup. but I genuinely uh, don't remember him playing, but <laughs> I know. he did in the group stage. World but, Cup winner, so. Palacios. Um, and he played in against Croatia. He and scores so. in the 21st minute. It's a nice finish from him. Um, with his left foot, I think, into the side netting. Um, then, oddly, in the second half, in the 58th minute, scores one of the goals of the tournament so far. Yeah. Um, not because, necess- I mean, it was a great finish, but not more for sort of the team goal um, aspect of it than the individual um, individual aspect. Um, they sort of work the way the, the ball around for minutes. Like, mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember who puts the pass in. Is it Verts? It was Verts. It was Verts. Verts. He, uh, he, he plays a looping ball over the top of the defense into the box. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly gets his head on it. Um, hits opposite side of the post with his head looping over the goalkeeper. Nothing he can do about it. Brilliant goal. Yeah. Um, wanted to go check out if you're into that sort of thing. That puts them comfortably up 3-1 on the night um, with a one-goal advantage in aggregate. And it really didn't look like Monaco at that point was going to offer that much. Um, but you know, as the last 20, 15, 20 minutes of the game, uh, approaches Monaco did start to have a little bit more, um, a little more, I think the, the triple sub that, uh, they made right, right before the 80th minute and they bring on, I think most notably Spielambolo and having a player like that, you can bring off the bench. I suppose he's resting, but, uh. Weird not to start. Him. Well, I mean, it's they've been playing with one striker, and yeah. Ben Yedder's also been that's true. That's great true. this season, so I get it. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, just being able to bring him off the bench is huge, difference. incredible, and his energy and you know being fresh, I think, yeah. really helped change the game. And he obviously got that last goal. Yeah, he ends up ties the, it up. It's a header from across that yeah. he hits into the into the turf and then mm-hmm. into the roof of the net from there. Um, sort of happened in slow motion. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, during that spell too, there was a lot of, a lot of sort of interceptions by Leverkusen, and then they'd send like three or four on the counter. You know, they're so direct with their with their take ons and dribbling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Verts with the ball. Uh, you know, Diata with the no, sorry, not Diata. That uh, Adley with the ball. Um, Frimpong, guys, just like taking people on, and they just didn't find that like right extra pass to put the tie to bed. Yeah, it ends up costing them because, um, yeah, because uh, Brilambolo finishes, and then I can't remember who it was, but like in the last minute of added time in regulation, uh, Monaco has the ball, uh, a through ball goes down to the end line, mm-hmm. it crosses it just by inches, it's determined to have been off, and then the ball, you know, it's back, back passed into the box. Um, Leverkusen make a bit of a mess of it. Um, and I can't remember who it was. Was, was it, it? I want to say Diata. I want to say it was Diata because it definitely came through the right. And yeah. I don't remember 
who it was in particular, but I know I it was to the it was right, Diata, which makes me think it was yeah. Or, yeah, it must have been Diata. Or maybe it was Segir. I think it was Segir. Okay. Um, Yeah, pretty sure it was Segir. He, the 18-year-old. Because um, I remember them talking about how he'd just come on. If you, uh, well, well Se- Segir was subbed off in 78. Oh, so it would have okay, been... never mind. I'm sorry. Maybe it was uh, Boadu came on for Segir and came in and played in that role. So it might... I don't know, whatever. Um, but anyway, he the he finishes and it looks like they've sna- absolutely snatched it again for the second straight game. Um, of course, it's ruled to be over the end line, but it's fit- befitting of the drama in this tie. I'd say in extra time, actually, Monaco looked the better. Mm-hmm. I think Leverkusen was sort of out of energy at that point. They end up having time to defend the box. They don't really have the energy to break like we'd seen in, in the minutes prior. Um, yeah, I think part of it is just Monaco are a just look tired. deeper team yeah. than Leverkusen are at, at this point right now. Uh, like Schick is a good player to bring off the bench, but their other subs, Amiri and uh, Asmon, are just not the quality of players that Monaco are subbing on. So I was a Don't little... Don't talk I to Asmon that way. I'm sorry, but... I mean, Musa Diaby is pretty good. Musa Diaby is a pretty bench. good player to bring off your bench. Uh, but Patrick Schick... Who has been out, I think, since November. Yeah. He's and... finally worked his way back into form a little bit. He got, you know, a run at the end of the game. Um, nice to see him back. Um, but yeah, it basically looked like I mean Monaco had a few chances, but at that point, I think you yeah, know, it they felt played like on it the was, weekend too. Felt like it was going to Pelicans. Leverkusen apparently was going straight from Monaco to uh to Freiburg ahead of their weekend fixture. It's mm-hmm. tough playing Thursdays, man. Yeah. Um, they all look tired. We end up going to penalties. Um, and Leverkusen hits all five of their penalties. They're absolutely clinical penalties. Yeah. Um, some really nice ones in the bottom corner. Patrick Schick notably hit one too. Nice again. Nice to see him back. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, who was it that 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 missed for Monaco? Yeah. It was uh Matazo. It was Matazo. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and in, in the end, I think Leverkusen just about deserved um to go through. Mm-hmm based on the number of chances, the quality of play they had. I thought they were the more entertaining side and um, probably should have scored more than five goals in this tie. That said... This tie could have had way more than five goals. Yeah. (laughs) That said, you know, as I mentioned at the top, there there is a level of inexperience and Mm -hmm. lack of composure with them that, you know, saw them sort of blow two leads Mm -hmm. um, and could have easily cost them, uh, could have easily cost them the tie. I think they're... It's a, a more fun team to watch going forward too. Like per, just from like an objective footballing standpoint, I'm yeah. stoked to watch them play. Yeah, and um, it is a little scary that they're so heavily reliant right now on a 19 year old. Who? How good is Florian? Burst? He's incredible. <laughs> how good was he again today? Oh, just he's, he's so, so good, good to watch. And you know he's one of those guys where it's you watch the eye test and you're like, wow, he's incredible. And yeah. then you look at the stats and the advanced stuff, you're like. Oh my God, he's even better than I realized. Yeah. He created eight chances. Eight chances. He completed the most dribbles in the match. With he also five. had 10 recoveries. So he's <laughs> contributing defensively as well. It is so exciting. Yeah. Just imagine him and Musiala playing Germany. Oh man, and, like, they are going to be the next so 10 years. Good. Oh but my God. Florian Wirtz is definitely in the conversation for best teenager in Europe. And he is so important to the way Leverkusen play. Yeah. But we it, missed him bad. Yeah. It does have to be a little to me if it's like if you're Leverkusen. And you want to go deep in these tournaments and you want to compete and get back into the European spots in the Bundesliga. I think they're in 10 now after losing a couple. Yeah. And you're sitting there like our best player is 19. Like that yeah. is he does not have the experience. I do think you can other definitely teams do. obviously they were a good team last year, but since um Javi Alonso took over, you can see a lot of 
sort of these attacking, entertaining, pressing and principles that yeah. he's been able to install in a couple of months, um, even though their league form is still a little bit up and down. But really, I hope they can keep some of these guys together mm-hmm. um, and like not sell <laughs> Verts immediately and Diaby immediately. Like they just have so many fun players that um, sort of the uh, Dortmund predicament these days where it's like yeah. on a slightly less uh, lesser scale. Um in terms of the lens that they and you know yeah. interest. Um, but it's like Dortmund, you know, if they keep can keep guys like Bellingham and Makuko or whatever for like two years, you're like, these guys can be I mean, I know they're tied for the uh, mm-hmm. at the top of the table right now, but yeah. that's because Byron's sort of letting them. Yes. Uh <laughs> not the Byron that we typically know yeah. in the league, but that's it's one thing you just sometimes don't get in Germany. You have these fun, like young teams, a bunch of 20 year olds. Mm-hmm. You're like, damn, these guys could be so good, and then they all get sold. Yeah. Um, it's because they and don't have the level of finance that the iron do. Yeah, or yeah, or yeah. anybody else in Europe does. Um, it's also going to be difficult for Leverkusen if they miss Europe. Yeah, which is a very real possibility. Very possible. For them, so, but yeah, Frimpong twenty-two, oddly yeah. twenty-two. Uh, what's his name? Lozek. 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 Yeah. Lozek is twenty. Yeah. Uh, Kape twenty-one. Hinkapie. Okay. Yeah, well, you can see. He's great. We talked about him in the in our in our uh yeah. pod for the World Cup. Diaby, 23. Bakker's 22. Yeah. Like, very young team. Yeah. Hudson Adoy, 22. <laughs> Didn't play today. He's 22 still? Yeah, he's only 22. Wow, I thought he was like 26. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, we spent most of our runtime here talking about those two games, but yeah. I think deservedly so. Deservedly so. They were fun. We want to... Let's go to a not fun game. Yeah. Which one are you thinking? I'm thinking Mitchell on nil for Sporting. <laughs> yeah, that one not as fun. Sporting. Sporting wins the tie 5-1. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they were down in that first leg at home. Um, they end up scoring a late equalizer, um, looking like maybe up against it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Wasn't so. Um, they took an early lead here. And then the real story of the game is that Paulinho, um, the Michelin player, um, the Michelin uh, midfielder. midfielder, yeah. No, a left back, sorry. He's a left back. Oh, um, he he gets a yellow card in the 36th minute, and then a second in the 38th, less yes. than 120 seconds later. Basically, he is a little late on a challenge and ends up stepping on someone's foot. It's pretty harsh for a second yellow, uh, especially in that succession. It's not intentional. It's not high. You can understand it maybe as a first yellow, but for that to be a second yellow and to pretty much put a tie to bed like that, that like totally an unnecessary insertion of of the referee's uh, agenda. No, yeah. that's not true. But it, it was unnecessary and I do think it it's unfortunate. We see this sometimes in the Europa League. Me... We were just talking about this last week, yeah. like when refs in this competition take center stage and sort of interfere with the with the natural uh, ebb and flow of the tie. It's really frustrating. It reminded me a lot of Lundowski also got a yellow for a very similar thing in the United uh mm-hmm. Barcelona game. And it's one of those where you know, yes, you're stepping on a player, but you're not. It's so clearly not on purpose, and it's so different and it's so from building a tie on a slide tackle. Yeah, yeah, it's the impact of the other player on yeah. your body or the ball that is moving the ball and forcing you to slip slip onto them. Yeah. Like again, it's sort of an unwritten you rule, but like foul, but... for the first a first yellow, defensible second yellow, especially in such quick succession mm-hmm. from the first. I think that's when you just got to be like, hey, kid, like. Like take it easy. Next one, next one, you're off. You know yeah. he's not a kid. He's 28, but you know <laughs> he looks younger than that. Um, this is when our friend Freddie on Golazzo was like, 
was like, you just hate to see that. You just think, you know, from someone from the North, like me, the refs are always trying, we always feel like the refs are trying to knock out the teams from the North early on. And I'm almost like, what, <laughs> what is that coming from? Yeah. Maybe just because your teams are worse. Well, it doesn't help. <laughs> like, what, like, what are you talking about, Freddie? Yeah. Um, but yes, it was a shitty call. Notoriously, um, UEFA does love to benefit the Portuguese teams as well. <laughs> it was it was weird though. And then you know that's the that's the end. Yeah, that's really the tight was of uh Tim Calves added a brace yeah, later Brandon on. And Salves, yeah, and then the, one of the saddest own goals I've ever seen. <sighs> yeah, it was um Gartenman for Michelin who receives the ball. Um you know, his defender. Mm-hmm. Um, he, Preston, he, no look pass. No look back to the goalkeeper who's moved out wide um, to form, you know, a better triangle mm-hmm. <laughs> and just rolls it straight into the net from 25 yards. Uh, poor guy. Uh, it really, uh, at that point, the crowd cleared out. Um, and it was not sort of the, uh, not sort of the fun battle. I think they were hoping up there in Denmark, but um, sporting well-deserved winners. Yeah. Before we move on, I do also want to highlight Manuel Guarte, 21-year-old, mm-hmm. and he is so good in that sporting midfield. Mm. He is an incredible passer, and also just, I think he won, like, almost every duel he participated in today. Mm-hmm. It's absurd, the effort that he'll put into just winning the ball in the midfield and making sure that sporting keep possession and then control How much money pace. is he going for? I mean, well, he's Uruguayan, not Argentinian, yeah, so yeah. maybe only maybe 60. 40, 40, 50. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, if you're... Spurs got Poro for like 40, 45. Yeah. And if you're a team that's looking a big... You have to be a really big team that's looking for a player who can control pace and help you dominate a midfield. He is, mm-hmm. to me, one of the best prospects that you should be looking at to get that type of role. You heard it here first, folks. Take stock. Yeah. Buy some stock. Buy some stock in Ugarte. All right. I uh, think that's how you say his last name. I'm not great with my... my uh, Ugarte? Ugarte? Yeah. Ugarte. Okay. Uh... Let's move on to the other match that had red card controversy. That was Nons nil three Juventus. Juve advances four one on aggregate. You know what I had to say after the red card? No, 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 because no. no, it shouldn't have been a red card. It no, was no, no, so, it should not have been a red so card. Harsh. Uh, but the story today, other than the red card, was Angel the World Cup winner. Angel, <laughs> Angel Di Maria, and he actually deserves that title because yeah. he was. Huge in the final. Uh, Di Maria was huge today too. The first, his first goal, just in the fifth minute, one of the goals of the tournament. Yeah, I think it's. Gonna How would you up... describe that goal? It's. Uh... I was not in the know. Man, it he one times it too. It's from outside the box. The ball is kind of played in, rolled to, to him, him, rolled over to him, and he, the curl on that shot was absurd. It's almost like uh, one of those, of... like one of those, like inside of the foot, like curlers. Mm-hmm combined with a chip it's yeah. kind of like half and half it's just there's no way any goalkeeper in the world could reach he that. curls it it's so he curls it and looks like it's going chips so it. wide the, like it gets up so high and then dips into the yeah i heard somebody on golato criticize the goalkeeper for that i'm like how <laughs> what is he what do you if want you from? are familiar with syria it's lorenzo insigne's classic goal but done better it's than brilliant. any that insigne ever scored and that's I mean, the that's absurd. the madness of Di maria everyone in juve hated him for the start of the year because it looked like he was just there to stay fit for the world cup which might have been true yeah. but since the world cup he suddenly looks like a really good productive player for them yeah i'm shocked i really thought he was just going to stop it's the magic of, the of 35 year old Di maria yeah um I mean, he's probably the player of the week for the europa league yeah I mean, a hat trick with that goal I mean, yeah and then uh he basically creates uh the chance that leads to the red and the penalty, which he converts for his second. Um, mm-hmm. He takes on the goalkeeper, 
um, start on the on the touchline, somehow bundles through him. Um, I can't remember who the ball falls to, but it basically looks like a like you know point blank five six yards out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Nicholas uh, Palua Palua yeah. uh, is on uh, the goal line. Mm-hmm. Um, he's down on his ass. David, well, because I have to go to the oh I have my to log into god. The- Oh my god, the unprofessionalism. I have to log in to this symposium. Wow, he's not committed to this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I need like a couple minutes. So. All right. We'll see you soon. Anyway, so Pelua, or however you pronounce it, gets sent off for handling the ball mm-hmm. on the goal line. And yeah. we have some feelings about that. Yeah, and I get it. I understand it hits what's his hand going through the Where it hits his arm and he's on the goal line, so it stops the goal. Yeah, I understand what's going through the referee's mind there. It's should be a denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity. He's making his body bigger in the box and it touches his hand. All right. I understand it, but it just feels so out of the spirit of the game to give a red card for it. A yeah. penalty, 100%. So a penalty, penalty, a yellow. Because it's not like he doesn't. It's not like Luis Suarez. His hands aren't at his side, but he's like sitting down. It's in a natural spot. It's not like they're, they're out from his body, really. Mm-hmm. Like it, I don't, it's not really anything he can do. You know, it's not, yeah, it's not like Suarez punching it out the line. Um, there's no intention. He's just like throwing his body in front of it. And again, his hand, his arm is not out from his body. So I agree that I would not have sent him off for that. I think that's super, super harsh. Yeah. Like I get it. Letter of the law hits his hand on the goal line, whatever, but it's just not like it's 100% a penalty. Mm-hmm. Like, so the cog probably would have been over anyway, because Juve would have been up two goals. Yeah. But I mean, come on. And then the 17th minute mm-hmm. totally ruins the tie. Like, Totally ruins Nons having like a home crowd to watch a knockout tie for the first time in forever. It just totally ruins the ruins the fun of it and the spirit of it. And it's just really unfortunate. Like I think this red card is wrong. I agree with you. (laughs) It was wrong. Like again, it's one of those you understand the referee's decision, you understand that the rules are this way, and the referee probably felt obligated to make a decision based on those rules but it just doesn't match the spirit of the game. I thought it was bullshit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, that being said, Juventus still played very well. Yeah. Di Maria but... converts the pen for his second. Yeah. He adds a third in the second half. Um, The ball, it's sort of like a bounces around. He heads it in from like point blank mm-hmm. for his hat trick. Uh, Juve had like three and a half XG today. Yeah. Um, They played well anyway. So credit to them for showing up. Unlike last week. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's easier when you're playing 10 men, but they dominated the midfield. Yeah, the midfield well. Locatelli, Fagioli, Rabio look yeah, really Fagioli's good. Fagioli's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, um, I hate when Rabio looks good, but yeah, you've had interestingly throwing out an all white midfield today, all white five across. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> they have non white midfielders that are healthy right now. Uh, because Pogba's out. I mean, Paredes is basically so. Are you familiar with Samuel? Illing Jr. Yeah, he's good. Okay, he's nineteen year old yeah. English person. Yeah, he's a more of a winger though. Interesting. Um, okay. He said he's a defender on Fama. Yeah, because it's Juventus, so he plays on that wing back role. But like, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to say Costic or Dicilio oh, well, yeah, are winger. You're yeah. not going to say Costic or Dicilio are defenders, really. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of fit into that role, and he's looked really good when he's come on mm-hmm. in a lot of situations. I like him. I think he could be a very good player in the future. It's right. interesting all how I have many to say about Juve. Yeah, this is interesting how many English players there are showing up in. Uh, Italy right now yeah I think like, we, we've talked about this before I think but it's uh you know it's especially with 
the globalization of the Premier League in the last 20 years and like mm-hmm. how many international players there are. I think pa- pathways to the top flight are for English players are harder well, than they've ever been. So yeah, but the interesting thing is it's not guys who are. I mean, I guess for Ealing Junior it is kind of like that, but he moved to Juventus because one of the best academies in the world. But he was already at a big academy, right? Yeah. So but for I think him, I think a, it is the pathway. Yeah, but... I think there we see like I think this is the case with managers too. But I think mm-hmm. like we're seeing we're starting to see more players pop up in different parts of Europe. Um, yeah, it might you know it provide them a more direct pathway a lot of the times. Yeah. Then I mean I think a lot of it's also that they want to stay in Europe, right? Yeah. Stay playing in European competitions. Like Tammy Abraham was at Chelsea and he was mm-hmm. their starting striker, and then he wasn't quite good enough for Chelsea, but he wants to keep playing in Europe, and it's not going to move to him to a mid-table team in the Premier League. So yeah. he said, I'll go to Italy where there's a team that doesn't have a striker role. Yeah. And it's good for the, some of these some of these young, like, mm-hmm. recently out of academy players who, you know, you see them popping up in really good systems. Like, yeah. Juve or, you know, Dortmund's a famous one. You mm-hmm. see it in the Netherlands. And yeah, a couple a couple people popping up in Portugal these days too, even though that's mostly, like, South Americans. And But um, interesting thing to watch moving forward. Yeah. Um. Let's move on to PSV two nil Sevilla, which ended up seeing Sevilla through three two. Um, this game didn't look. I mean, it was pretty even, but not a ton of big chances for say like sixty five minutes. And then all of a sudden, PSV really got their ganner up. They started pushing. Eventually, they get a uh, big man Luke De Jong sees their uh, breaks the deadlock on the night. Um, and then soon thereafter. It looks like he has a second, and the game is on. However, um, Fabio Silva, um, who came on in the uh, in the second half, um, you know the the Wolves Loney who we've seen yeah, at Anderlecht sure. earlier this year. Yeah, um, he um, made the run um, and crop and and put in the uh, the square ball um, to the would be Luke De Jong goal, but he was deemed to be offsides correctly. Yeah, um, it was pretty clearly offsides. This was... one was frustrating to me because he had the time to get level and just doesn't. Like <laughs> he's so clearly a short. I mean, he. I think he's just excited. He sees the <laughs> he sees the goal and you know in advance. But um, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a mistake from the youngster. But you'd think a more experienced player maybe gets in line there, and then all of a sudden the game is on. Um, PSV do end up getting a second goal, but like in the last second of the game, yeah, and, and that was Silva. Silva so credit so. to him there, but. Um, it was a shame that this had to happen so late because I really wanted to see, like, yeah, just from an objective and... standpoint, a viewer's standpoint, you really just want to see a little tension. Mm-hmm. And PSV didn't really um, have that next level after that goal was disallowed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was too bad. Sevilla were looked, again, very in control for, like, Most 60, 70 them, minutes. Yeah. And then started falling apart a little bit yeah, they did make it, made it a little tense at the end they did but, but it wasn't quite as tense as one would have hoped no next up who should we move on to let's do ren two one Shakhtar. another um, game that went all the, went way, to all the way to penalties because due to being three three on aggregate Shakhtar ends up going through five four an incredibly dramatic penalty shootout um each of these teams had a goal disallowed for offside. I think one went to VAR and one was just offside on the field. Um, uh, and it was Ren who saw the breakthrough soon after the second half to level the tie. Another Toko Akambi finish. Um, it's a nice move. Um, maybe doesn't cover himself in glory, the Choctaw keeper, but he ended up being the hero later 
um in uh yeah so the, the, the that one goal takes us all the way to uh i'm sorry yeah, i lost time. my place that yeah, one goal was the only goal during regulation yeah ren were definitely on top but shakhtar in kind of in both legs yeah <laughs> shakhtar had a couple chances but nothing yeah. super great during yeah. regulation it was mostly mostly all ren they looked like they scored the go-ahead Ibrahim Salah in the 106th minute. And that one set up a was great all run Doku. Doku. Doku is... uh, it's, a, it's a long ball. Maybe even from the keeper or down the flank. Yeah. Doku gets it. He absolutely uh, he absolutely burns um, Shakhtar captain um, Stepapenko um, on, on a 1v1 battle. <laughs> um, gets all the way past. I think it was Stepapenko. Um, he takes him on all the way um, down into the box and then finds... Um, Ibrahim. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh no. Yeah. Ibrahim Salah. Salah. Yeah. It's scary uh, that there's another Salah. One of our favorite Salahs out there. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Um, and then Joku almost burns him again. Stephen yeah. and yeah. he has to take him down mm-hmm. <laughs> in a business, a wise business decision. Um, uh, it really felt after Ren scored that that was going to be the tie done and dusted. Yeah. Shakhtar hadn't created much and didn't really see it. And it really should have. But then been. they put on some pressure. They picked it up afterwards. They started having more of the ball, just keeping possession further and closer to Ren's goal. And then in the they 119th the lucky minute, 18-year-old uh, Belosian, who had a really good tie, um, it seems like, for both legs, yeah. um, takes a swing at a clearance inside the box. It pops up over his head and over the the aged Steve Mandanda <laughs> into the net. There's nothing Mandanda can do. It's a terrible moment for the 18-year-old. Um, he's devastated. You could tell right away. I'm surprised he was even able to finish the game because he looked absolutely gutted the moment it happened and on the you know after it the whistle blew for full time and extra time he's getting you know he's on the verge of tears getting getting uh taken care of by his teammates it was nice to see just everybody on ren going over and like talking to him but especially christopher Wu and teoth who were two of the center backs that they left on the bench today Mm -hmm. Going over and going out of their way. Big big fans of teot on this in this podcast. I mean Wu and teot are probably the best center back pairing so for them to be on the bench and go out of yeah. their way to be like, hey, like to the 18 year old, this happens and yeah. you know, we're going to work through it. I think it shows a good team yeah. mentality there. That... XG obviously isn't everything, but uh, Ren dominated the XG and the big chances mm-hmm. in these in these two legs. Um, and it, we ended up in penalties basically because two defensive mistakes. Yeah, This one and the first goal for Shakhtar in the first leg, mm-hmm. which uh, was a mistake from Spence Spence. and whoever the center back was at the yeah. time, um, letting a ball run through. For no particular reason. So if you think about it, like they really only should have conceded once. Um and they, you know, had most of the chances and the dog the dog is scratching his collar. That's really annoying, buddy. Hey buddy, buddy. <laughs> so loud. Um so Ren, that's another thing with with youth at some of these stages, like we saw it almost affect Leverkusen. Yeah. Um sometimes um that's the difference in a tie you know mm-hmm. they couldn't score more than three goals and um and you got to give shock credit for sticking in there especially because their league hasn't even started back up yet so mm-hmm. being in form is hard um and to use what is it, is it 10 domestic players in the starting lineup again yeah today? i mean that's i don't I mean, care what country you come from yeah. that is an impressive thing yeah. to be doing so he's, they're obviously well coached um they're young too um we keep coming back to composure at, at, at this stage mm-hmm. um during these knockout fixtures um um, they just had the better of it. We could see that in the penalty shootout too, which was fucking wild. It was uh, like great performance for the uh, 
Shakhtar keeper. Sorry, I almost said Ukraine keeper. Ukraine keeper. Really he is good. also Ukrainian. Ukrainian. Um, but uh, he's only so, twenty-one and stood on, stood up, and made two big saves early. Yeah, uh, put he, the pressure on Ren. But yeah, he think he saved the first two. Yeah, it was Doku and Melin. Yeah, he saved both of those. Both and, awful penalties. They they really slow rolling. Um, he dives to his right, gets both of them, and then basically Shakhtar uh just has to convert one of their last two penalties <laughs> uh up up uh 3-1 um entering the fourth round they miss both one is a save from Mandanda the other hits the crossbar and then all of a sudden Ren lead uh 4-3 in the shootout um and Shakhtar is on the ropes they convert the fourth and then Ren misses the fifth who was it that missed it was Ogachukwu who's okay. 18 oh god yeah, that's another... everyone on Ren is 18 yeah um, Except the Lord, and then and then uh, and okay. then it is uh, what's his name, Kelsey, yeah. uh, Kevin Kelsey sends Shakhtar into the next round. Not Ukrainian, not you Ukrainian. Tell by his name. How about that? No, I couldn't. He is uh, I want to say Colombian, maybe even uh-huh. Venezuelan. Also eighteen, though. Wow. So all in all, um, the uh, impressive showing in the shootout from from Trubin. The, that shocked our goalkeeper. He makes three saves, I think, in the shootout. Mm-hmm. Um, sends his team to the next round. Um, it was a masterclass in not being a masterclass in in penalty taking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm not, I don't want to say shocked our deserved winners based on the balance of the tie. But hey, credit to them. Like yeah, they did what needed to be done to get through. They did what needed to be done. Yeah, I, I, impressive. Uh, impressive stamina from them. Um, resilience, all those buzzwords. Yeah. Um, and congratulations to them. You know, it's not been an easy, an easy time, obviously, no. and especially given the fact that they haven't, uh, they haven't been playing competitive football for months. Like, good on them, man. Yeah. Happy to have them still in the tournament. Let's go to Roma two Salzburg nil two one Roma on aggregate. Um, Salzburg really didn't look up for this in the first half. They were really pretty bad, actually. Roma had a ton of chances in the first half. They. We're getting wrecked by Spinazzola on the left, um, who was playing wing back. Um, he had two assist, one assist, but it was really two assists. Yeah. Um, the uh, did he not get one for the Belotti goal? Uh, I don't know why no one got an assist for that. I think it was deflected. Was it? Yeah. I did not remember it getting deflected. Yeah, it was a deflection. Okay, I just remember Belotti flying in there like he did when he was at Torino, yeah. where he just kind of lowers his whole body down yeah. to get a ball that yeah. is kind of at like his yeah. stomach level. Both goals, the 33rd, Spinazzola tears down the left to the to the end line. He hits it across, it takes a deflection or two, ends up at Belotti's head slash shoulder, <laughs> taps in. The second one uh, is finished by Dybala, and Spinazzola does get an assist for that. It happens in sort of a similar manner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I thought Roma were very impressive in the whole time. I mean, they dominated the first leg, but couldn't score because Tammy. Because they're Roma. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if Roma and finished chances, big chance too. Yeah. when Roma finished chances, they're capable of competing with the top yeah. teams in the world. I they think. still they just they still so consistent with that. They still didn't score as many as they should today and left it open again for Salzburg, who had a much better second half. Yeah, especially and toward the end. They were yeah, getting they had a lot more chances as they chased the game. They couldn't. Um, they couldn't find that tie leveler, um, but Roma probably just about edged it. Um, but again, the same problems pop up for them, which after the clinical clinicality of the first half, mm-hmm. they, they couldn't find the goal to put the tie to bed, yeah. um, despite, you know, a high number of chances. 
six shots on target. Um, not, you know, they, they really, before the Bellotti goal, you'd say they'd missed a bunch of chances too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's still sort of their, their Achilles, their Achilles heel, heel for sure. Um, something they'll have to note as we move mm-hmm. forward, partially because they got a pretty difficult, uh, tie, which we'll get to in a moment. I do want to say before we move on that the ball of today was excellent. Mm-hmm. And I do think it shows just how important he is to this team. I mean, we yep. saw in the first game when he was struggling. I think the commentator there, at the time said there's kind of two Romas. There's Roma with Dybala and Roma without Dybala. Yeah, very. He's still clearly teams. their best player. Yeah, uh, and not even close. He informed carries this team, and mm-hmm. Cristante and Spinazzola were great as well. But Dybala was great. Yeah, just next level as a player, I think. And yeah, Salzburg had no answer for Spinazzola on the left. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in the first half, which was good to see because he struggled since the second Achilles injury, yeah. and it's nice to see him get a good game in him. But uh, before we get to the draws, which I just teased, we do have uh, we one, have one final Europa League match. It was Union Berlin three one Ajax, and that is the same aggregate score. Union Berlin advances to the first round of sixteen in their history. Of course, they'd never even been in the this round in their yeah. history. Um, so it's all it's all cherries on top for Union. Um, and much like they were unlucky not to get a winner, um, in Amsterdam last week, they, they took care of their business pretty handily today. An early pen from Kanoche, um, put them up one nil, um, Juranovic scores a second in the 44th minute, which is an absolute howler from Rui. Yeah. Um, and you know what? On the penalty too, he gets a big hand to it and should absolutely stop it. Yeah. But but... it goes into the side netting. Um, yeah, really, he had a really tough first half. Really, really tough first half. That second goal, uh, I mean, it's right at, uh, it's barely a, away from his body on the on the stretch, mm-hmm. um, and he just lets it go through his hands. Um, Union look like they've uh, basically taken care of business, but um, Kudus on the other side of halftime manages to uh, manages to pull one back for Ajax, but just minutes later, um, off a corner routine, Union make it three. Um, it looks like it's it's kind of a clever design there. They have they kind of draw everybody forward to the near post and then send in runners um, sneakily on the back yeah. post. Uh, I think it was Kudus who was one on one with was. Uh, Doki. Couldn't really handle him because he's bigger and stronger. Um, honestly, Rui doesn't do great on that either. No. <laughs> but uh, that just, that one's tougher. That one's harder on him. Rui but just had a tough game. He had a tough game, which is unfortunate for the new signing there. Um, I can't believe he's 30 already. World Cup winner. Yeah. <laughs> it did kind of play out the way a lot of people thought it would. I mean, Union had 27% of the ball, <laughs> but they still and managed. Also, to be fair, they it's because Ajax was chasing for the entire second half. You know? Yeah. But it just, it fit right into, you played right into Union's hands by doing that. I mean, yeah, they're so good at just putting up shop and hitting you on the counter yeah. and taking the few chances that they're going to get. Uh, overperformed XG again, because it's what Union do. And on 27% possession, having 10 shots and two big chances is mm. very, very impressive, I think. Yeah. And they, yeah, similarly to what we were talking about last week, they now have adapted into having different ways to beat you. Like in like the last couple of years, you would expect 27% possession from them. And, but then, you know, the one in Amsterdam, they had, I think 45, you know, so it's mm-hmm. like they can play slightly different ways if they need to, but if you have a two goal lead, um, or you're you have a two goal advantage. Um, you're gonna you're gonna back Union to <laughs> to finish that job usually. Absolutely. Um, no one better in Europe than than sitting back and frustrating the shit out of you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, in the end, Union are deserved winners. Um. Congratulations to them. Ajax, just it's not their year. They they're in a reset year. I think. 
They don't they'll need to get their shit together. Maybe now they can focus on the league and make sure that they qualify for. Yeah, I mean, I think they're in second now or third, but they're only three points off the uh, off the top, I think, in the Netherlands. But so the title is still on for them, uh, but they have some improving to do moving forward. So that's all the ties in the Europa League. Um, Talk about the that means ones. eight those eight teams moved on um, to uh, to the round of sixteen. Um, just as a recap, the teams waiting in the last sixteen: Feyenoord. Real Betis and Real Sociedad, the football, Fenerbahce, uh, Varos, Arsenal, Fenerbahce, Union Saint Gilles, and SC Freiburg. Um, a lot of good teams in there, but definitely some that you were hoping to draw mm-hmm. as opposed to others. So, where do you want to start? Should we start from the top? Yeah, let's with start our with... Union Berliners who just advanced past Ajax. That's who did a they draw? David? Place to start. They drew Union, so what? it's a Union derby. Round Again, three and four. Round three of four. Because for some reason, you can still draw teams from the same group it's dumb as this fuck. round. But you can't draw teams from the same country, which is also silly. Why not? Yeah. You, I mean, it makes sense for round for that last round. But why? Like, now you should be able to draw your own. I, it makes no sense. I think they have it totally You backwards. can do it in the round in Champions League, round of 16. Yeah. We can't. You can't? No. Because oh. that's the first round. It's, oh, okay. it's, this would be, like, the quarterfinal. Right? I just think it's dumb. Because, like, it why is. would we... Why Like, wouldn't we rather see Union Freiburg than... They, two teams play each other again yeah like we but... absolutely would it's and you got to feel for Saint-Joa who are not in Europe very often yeah you think they're and like they... maybe we could have a fun big yeah or at least someone different matchup, like yeah it's not even lame. from a like oh well Union Berlin are the smallest team and now we have only have to play that no it's just yeah. you want something and from different. a fan like from a outsider fan perspective uh I would have loved both teams to have a chance to go through because they're nice stories and yeah. fun teams to watch instead one of them has to knock each other out Union uh lost one nil at home to Central Was and Central Was lost one nil at home to Union. So they're perfectly even. They're both in good form. They're both, you know, in title races. Um, so this one feels like a toss-up to me. I think now I would back Berlin. Um, yeah. you know, St. Was lost their best goal scorer in January. Um, but that's gonna be a fun one to cover. That will that be could be the hipster matchup of the turn of the, I think of it the should tournament. Be. Yeah, wow. of the round. So uh let's move on to Sevilla. Sevilla. They drew Fenerbahce from Fenerbahce. Turkey, so that should be an interesting They're matchup. In along second with place in Turkey, I believe so. Yeah, they've had a pretty solid year. Mm-hmm. Um, we're they, in first for a while until Galatasaray won like seventeen in a row. Um, obviously, like every team uh, that advanced straight to the round of sixteen, they looked good in their group. So, going to be a tough matchup for Sevilla, who did not look great in their group performance in the Champions League. So, we'll see how that one goes. Juventus. They got a little bit lucky with their draw, avoiding some of the bigger teams. They get SC Freiburg, but sure that do. is not one you can it's take not lightly. An easy tie. Mm-mm. Freiburg also in the title race, <laughs> only yes. a couple of points off, I think. Um, the top three. Um, yeah, Freiburg are 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 fucking tough, man. I wouldn't want to play them. Um, By Leverkusen, especially because they get that second match at home. Yeah. Um, and they have such a good, just a good atmosphere there these days in southern Germany. The final German team, Bayer Leverkusen, they drew Hungarian team Ferenc Varos. Which seems on paper like the easiest of these draws, but we've seen Ferenc Varos be pretty uh, pretty uh, feisty yes, in the absolutely. group stage. They're um, very it's, not a, it's not a gimme for anyway. Absolutely not. Obviously, you favor Leverkusen, but I don't think it's going to be necessarily a walk in the park. Speaking of gimmies, Sporting might have got themselves one. They get to play Arsenal. Yeah, what a bunch of losers. Yeah, only yeah. top of the Prem. This is kind of worst case scenario for, for Sporting. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like their European run might be over. <laughs> yeah. Just because, I mean, I wouldn't, like, 
obviously it's not a total wash, but I don't think Sporting are in their best moment right now. Um, they're struggling for consistency in the league. You saw them fuck around with Mitchell end in the first leg. I think this is a tough one for them. Absolutely. Uh, United, the second English team, they get a tough matchup with sure. Real Betis. Real Betis. An eighth time that United has drawn a Spanish team <laughs> in the last three years. They're addicted. They, they're addicted. United back. playing Spanish teams. Um, you know, beating Barcelona, you'd think they can take on Betis. However, Betis aren't an easy out either. They have some they're really not. talented players. We saw United struggle a little bit yeah. against Sociedad. In Betis the are stage. in a top four race right now. They're only a few points off Atletico in fourth so you know they've struggled a little bit for consistency this year occasionally they have little dips in form but um you know i haven't made the the champions league groups in since 0506 i did not know that but long time right they haven't me. hit top four then um that's interesting anyway yeah it makes sense with some of the dominance from you know obviously barca and madrid mm-hmm. but you know with sevilla solidifying themselves as a top four team yeah. in that period makes sense but surprising still yes. um roma they drew real sociedad well, that's an interesting one that is an interesting one sociedad looked really good in the groups and they are still they are good they're third place team, in la liga yeah but uh, roma feel like one of those teams where on any day they could get blown out or they could blow you out yeah. so yeah. definitely don't know what's going to happen in that no fact. idea it depends who's fit i guess yeah um i'm taking it yeah if dabala is available for that they have a much better chance if not i'm all for Sociedad. i'm gonna take yeah. Sociedad either way because yeah. Roma's a bad team. <laughs> you <but>. hate Jose. <laughs> I also think Sociedad is a better team right now, but more I consistent. I think you might be right. I think they'll have they'll have obviously the better of the play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they have a good defensive record too, so yeah. we'll see. If Roma get a performance from a goalkeeper for the first time all year, <laughs> uh, Shakhtar Donetsk is going to be the last team drawn from the knockout playoff round, and they were drawn against Feyenoord, who topped their group. Another toss-up. That is another Feyenoord toss-up. lead. The Eredivisie right now, really? Mm-hmm. Well, that total not by much, been, but yeah, yeah. There's still there. You, I think PSV is sort of knocking themselves out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe you know, since they lost such key pieces over the winter break, but you know, maybe because um, now that I don't have to compete on two fronts, maybe it'll even out. So three or four teams in that title race, Feyenoord leading it. They'll play uh, Shakhtar, who are also in the title race with Dini Pro One. Yes. Um, who we'll, we'll discuss in just a moment. Any final thoughts about this draw? Do you have any any any, any standouts, any interesting things to say? The maybe? Roma Sociedad one, to me, is the most interesting from a you-don't-know-what's-going-to-happen perspective. You don't know. Now you know. Uh, obviously, Should we pick them first gut instinct really quick? Yeah, just... Let's do it. Do, do, do. All right. Union, Union Derby. Derby. Berlin. Berlin. All right. Sevilla over Fenerbahce. Agreed. Uh, Juventus over Freiburg. Yeah, I want I want thought about. It. I think that could be a bad tie. I, I about my it. gut reaction is that Juventus will just shut it, it down and make it really really boring. I thought about it. All right, I'm taking Leverkusen over Frank Vado. So am I. All right, uh, Arsenal over Sporting. Same. That's the first one that we picked from the uh, the hosts in the tie. Yeah, from the from the ones that qualified pre the round of twenty four. You also look at there's a lot of former Champions League teams. There are yeah. So. Uh, Roma, oh sorry, um, United, Batiste. I'm gonna take United here. I'm also gonna take United, but I'm not as confident about it as I feel like I should be. Yeah, and but that's more from a Batiste perspective. Like, it I be just, a fun time. I yeah. think Batiste could surprise people. I'm gonna take Roma over Sociedad. I'm gonna take Sociedad. I think that's fair. I think that's a toss up right now, and I'm gonna take Feyenoord over Shakhtar. I'm gonna take Shakhtar. Totally fair. Fuck out, fucking a. Bro. Shakhtar, the last Ukrainian team now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we'll talk about yeah right now because AEK and Dnipro One played. Love AEK, starting with that game. Really boring game. They should. The, AEK did a great job of just stopping play. I mean, it's full credit to them. Their defense was great. Uh, they yeah. shut up shop and did what they had to do to get out of there with the nil nil and to advance. And that's now four games they played against the Nipro, four games without a loss. I think mm. we can say AEK has their number. <laughs> well said. Yeah. Um, yeah, not too many, not too many big chances in this one. Um again, Dini Pro had been on a break, so it's kind of a tough time for yeah. them. Yeah. Um, a little disappointing from their perspective, but um how about Cypress? What a year they're having. Yeah, great performance from AK. Uh are they the last Cypriot team standing? Oh, yeah. Yes. For show. For show. Um let's uh let's move to uh one of our penalty shootouts. It was Anderlecht two Ludogorets one uh two two on aggregate. Anderlecht wins three nil in the penalty shootout. Ludogorets had some of the worst penalties you'll ever see. Didn't score a single one. Every one of them got that saved. Was, that was rough. Uh it was easy, easy stuff for Anderlecht. But before then, um Anderlecht uh went up two nil by the 68th minute, um, taking a you know, two uh taking a, t- a goal lead on aggregate. But uh Rodriguez for Ludogorets responds almost immediately. Um, which is how we ended up going into extra time. Yeah. Um, Ludogratz, I think, have done themselves pretty proud in this tie. Obviously, Anderlecht aren't in their best moment as a club, but they, you know, on paper, they should be a stronger team. Yeah. Um, they have Jan Vertonghen after all. Uh, so, um, Ludogratz really hung in there. They were tough. Um, they just apparently haven't practiced penalties. Yeah. Uh, I do want to point out Yari Vasharin, who, if you've played FIFA or Football Manager in the last couple yeah, years, he's a, he's a babe. You will know that he is. A super wonder kid. He 21 was, year old Belgian. Yeah. Uh, he was great today against Ludogorets. He scored one of the goals for Anderlecht, and I believe he was crucial in setting up the own goal as well that opened scoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a great performance. Kind of do it all midfielder. Looked really, really good. Were you aware? Were you aware scored the winning that, penalty? Yeah. Well. Were you aware that uh, Islam Slimani was on Anderlecht? I was, but I would not have been if we hadn't done research. <laughs> yeah. uh, totally caught me off guard. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had an assist today, but you know, good. I guess yeah. good. Under for them, like, I guess whatever. their manager was right to be confident after the first leg. Yeah, I mean they made it tough on themselves, but Ludogorets could have could have easily easily swung that, um, but they didn't. So fuck them. Yeah. Well, uh, that seems harsh. Let's go to Cluj nil, Lazio nil. Lazio advances one nil mm-hmm. on aggregate. I can't believe Lazio only scored one goal against Cluj. Well, in two games they created like <laughs> I know they had a man. both. For I know. both legs, they, they turned so into much. Fiorentina here. Yeah, um, yeah, they 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 definitely played with fire here because it wasn't like Cluj were without chances. They didn't Cluj clinicality ends up costing them here. They had none of their twelve shots were on target, despite an xG of plus one. Um, you know, they didn't have a lot of the ball, but they this did not play out how I thought. I thought Lazio would score a couple yeah. and make this comfortable, but Cluj were in it right till the end. It's definitely gonna make you a little nervous about Lazio. Mm-hmm. Advancing also, Cluj got a red card in the 77th, which kind of killed it. Yeah, um, also, I think the biggest sort of this though was on Lazio's bench, where you saw youngster Romano Floriani sitting on the bench. He's a young right winger slash right back, and there is some irony in him being a right winger because despite his listed name being Romano Floriani, his middle name is Benito, which is a pretty rare name in Italy nowadays, and his last name. Uh, given what happened in the 1940s with another Benito, his real last name is Mussolini. 
He is Benito Mussolini's great grandson, uh, the son of Alessandro Mussolini, Why who you might know. So his dad's last name is Floriani. Okay. But in Italy, they don't do double names. They don't do hyphenated names. It's not like mm-hmm. you know, England and the U.S. where it's relatively common. Mm-hmm. He does actually have a double last name. His mom is the leader of the Social Alternative Party, which is a far-right party. Oh, no. His mom was a member of the European Parliament. Oh. Uh, also was on the cover of Playboy. Oh, wow. Twice. Wow. So What a family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so his mom petitioned the Catholic Church to allow them to have a double last name. <laughs> so that he could keep so he doesn't have to go Mussolini by Mussolini. Last name. Oh, God. Now, he was on Dancing with the Stars with her. Oh, my God. The Italian version. And he was like... <laughs> As like I, a teenager? Yeah. He was like, I have no interest in going into politics or pursuing anything. I just want to play, play soccer. Yeah. I want to play calcio. Yeah. So... Well, luckily I don't want to put any minutes. judgment on him. Yeah. And, you know, he's supposed to be a good prospect. But it's so on point. And I Very Lazioen. Of all teams. Laziale. Laziale. Lots of Well, unfortunately, Lazio goes through. Obviously, they remain one of the favorites in the competition. They just about got it done. But, you know, they're going to... Uh, I will say that uh, that his middle name's Benito. Yeah, like it's so. I will say, sorry, has does have an affinity for heavy rotation in this competition so far. Which, on one hand, you understand. Yeah, like they're fighting for top four. You got to prioritize that. Um, but it's almost cost them a number of times. And the club spent a lot of time last year making fun of Roma for winning the Conference League. Yeah. So So now they want to have to. Yeah. And they, uh, yeah, I mean, we it, co- it cost them first place uh, in the groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, they almost got eliminated from the competition altogether yeah. um, in that difficult group. Um, so, and here they, you know, they barely got it done against Cluj. They might have to, sorry, might have to commit more of his first 11 moving forward, um, especially because they got a difficult tie. No spoilers. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Partizan 1-3, Sheriff, Sheriff's Tiraspol. Advances three two on aggregate. What a performance! Yeah, I thought this from the from the Moldovans. I, Partizan scored early. I thought this is over. It sure looked There's like no it. way. Uh, and then they get a sheriff get a penalty call, which was a correct call, deserved penalty call. Correct. And it just it reignites something in them, and they find a way. They get a second uh, right after. Right yeah, they do a double. Time. Yeah, D- and then right Mohammed after. Diop does a yeah does a brace right yeah on either side of halftime. Um, and it's yeah. really strange from partisan to kind of collapse defensively in those moments, especially yeah. in front of at home. Um, yeah, you'd expect better from them. But you know, if you looked at the stats, the like goal creation stats, um, in the first leg, Sheriff had the majority of chances mm-hmm. and sort of got done by by just one partisan chance. So maybe we shouldn't be so bad. This game was sort of even in those in those those counting stats, but yeah. um yeah, Sher- Sheriff looked fully deserved, actually, between the two legs. Absolutely. And I think the other thing is, you know, the two goals that were scored by Diop, mm-hmm. they're goals that shouldn't have been high opportunity chances based on the positioning of him and the defenders and the ball. One of the, was it the first goal that he scored? was unbelievable. Yeah, that was a great goal. But this... it's, it's, a, it's a really nice volley from just outside the box into the bottom corner. Mm-hmm. Brilliant shot. Yeah, but... One of the goals of the day, for sure. They were goals that, once they put it on target, it seemed very easy. That first one was just, like, lumped from the back, too. It just bounces around a couple times and just hammers it. Um, Really good stuff. Anyway, um, I think that was his first, not his second. Yeah, Uh, yeah, the volley was his first. Yeah, But, yeah, credit to Sheriff. 
Yes. It's the first. Sue us for counting them out over and over again. It's the furthest the Moldovan team has ever been in a European competition. So credit to them. Never count out Sheriff, apparently. No matter who plays for them. Speaking of teams advancing for the furthest in a long time. Let's move on to Lech and Bodo Glimt. We're going to Lech. Yeah, love we're it. jumping around. I'm jumping us love around. It, love it, love it, love uh, it. Lech become the first Polish team to advance in a European competition knockout stage in 20 years. Wow. Yeah, and it was... We love the con- we love the conference league, folks. Of course. We love the conference league. It had to be Ishak who scored. Love the, the guy. Swede knocking out the Norwegians. I love the his, guy. I believe that's his fifth goal in the conference league so far this He's year. He's been a beast. His ninth goal in Europe. Yeah. Oh, he's a great player. Uh, really physical, tough to deal with. And Bodo just didn't have a ton. Like, neither yeah, team really had a that, ton. I mean, it's always tough to, we keep talking harping on this, but it's always tough to tell with teams who haven't started their leagues. Mm-hmm. Bodo didn't affect them at all last year. They uh, almost got through uh, Roma again yeah. <laughs> um, after beating them twice in the, that fall. But they just didn't really have it. I mean, they had, they had the couple chances, arguably but... the better chances, but like, um, over both legs, not scoring once, mm-hmm. um, I think proves that they're definitely rusty. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of whoever like shook loose the rust faster. Yeah. Um, and we should say there were mistakes in the back, particularly from the goalie that led to the Ishak goal. So, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like Lech dominated play and then created a chance out of their own volition. They just took advantage of the mistake Bodo made, mm-hmm. which is what you have to do if you have two rusty teams is who's going to make the first mistake and who's going yeah. to take advantage of those. So a little bit of a shame. Uh, I mean, I I'm thrilled. Like went through, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, in general, like Bodo has always been fun to watch the last couple of years and yeah. uh, shame. We didn't get sort of a better showing from them, but mm-hmm. congratulations to Lech. They're one of been one of our hipster yes. favorites in the Absolutely. conference league so far. Looking forward to seeing them moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we go to Ghent one? Carabag nil, another one of our penalty shootout extravaganzas. Absolutely. Meant it ended 1-1 over the course of the two legs. It and was Gant a finishes gift. off the penalty shootout. It was a gift from Orban to score. It was gift Orban. That was the gift, gift Orban. Gift. Uh, 20 years old, you. and he sends Gent through. But yeah, really... I mean, he didn't. The... Well, I, I he sent it to penalties, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, I, overall, I think it's a very impressive performance from Carabag to play Gent arguably better mm-hmm. over the combination of the two legs but yeah. they'll they'll be kicking themselves for that that first leg performance um which is something we're gonna get to too with Trabs and sport where really dominated missed a penalty uh really should have won by more than a goal and then it comes up ends up biting them in the ass because they can't uh they can't see out a draw yeah in belgium um unfortunate because they're one of our favorites um absolutely they yeah they just couldn't get it done they couldn't uh couldn't, couldn't finish their chances yeah. And goes out on penalties, so tough for them. But should we move on to... Yeah, look who... Have you seen their uh, picture of their captain? Yeah. He's got such a classic... He's got an Amish beard. Yeah. It's such a classic look over there, too, right now. Um, Since I just mentioned it, why don't we go to Basel 2, Nil Trabzonspor 2-1 Basel on aggregate. This one surprised us. Yeah, it was another team that, in the first leg, should have won by more, didn't, and Mm -hmm. it came back to bite them in the butt. Even though Trabzonspor scored zero goals on 2.2 XG. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they did. They missed a penalty in the 28th the minute. They had a, Everything, they had a goal disallowed that looked like it was the winner. Um, that was kind of sad. The fans went crazy. The fans, were... That was in the 61st minute. Uh, yeah, Players on the field. Yeah, the, the corner of the way visiting fans went absolutely insane. Yeah, it was like a m- mirage of smoke and <laughs> flares streaming everywhere. 
Um, and then a minute later, it was disallowed. I'm like, what a waste of players. Um, then they scored in the 92nd minute to yeah. even it up and send extra time, except that one also ruled out. Yeah. So- um, between that and and they're only winning 1-0 in, uh, in, Turkey. in Turkey, they combined for 5 XG in those two legs, mm-hmm. and they scored one goal. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you can do the math there at on... What happened to them? Yeah. Um, and surmise for yourself why they didn't go through. Yeah, Basel, you know, took their chances. They did what had mm-hmm. to be do. Hits the goalkeeper, five Hits. saves. He had a good day. Uh, yeah, and the penalty, the penalty hero as well. Yeah. So, it's tough to see Trabzonspor and see a team dominate so heavily and not pull through. But yeah, you got to take especially because it would have been nice for uh, would have yeah. been nice for. But you got to take your chances. So Turkey. full credit yeah. to Basel, who yeah, who have been awful for all years and for their standards, and yeah, and have finally advanced in a in a in a knockout tournament, and may have a chance in the next round too. Um, is this our last game. Yeah, let's close out with a uh, Fiorentina three Braga two seven two Fiorentina on aggregate. This started off being interesting. Yeah, it started. Braga the way, got the first two goals. I think we both thought where Braga might kind of make it a little more interesting than it mm-hmm. needed to be. And then it was Mandragora off of Bonaventura assist in the 37th and Fiorentina. Get a little bit of that breathing room back, go up mm-hmm. five to an aggregate. You have to be like, okay, like it's probably fine now. They mm-hmm. probably have it. Then the second half, uh, it, it, everything went, went to crap when yeah. Arthur Cabral scores or doesn't score. Yeah, definitely did. Score. What a weird. Why don't you walk us through what happened there? So Fiorentina have one of the attack. weirdest VAR things you'll ever see. Yeah, Fiorentina have an attack. Cabral puts the ball, uh, gets like the last touch on the ball. It's sent goalward, and my first reaction is, "Wow, what an incredible save off the line by the goalkeeper." Then the referee points to his watch. Goal line technology said that went over. So everyone's like, "Yeah, we're going to celebrate." And then he gets called over to VAR. And we're like, "Oh, was there like an offsides in the buildup? Mm-hmm. Didn't look like there should have been. Was there like?" Uh, foul by Cabral in the lead up or something, uh, and it should be said, it's a great like almost it. save from uh, from Sa. Yeah, on the line. Oh yeah, palms it out. Palms it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then it also would have stopped a really heavy or great chance for Fiorentina because they got the ball back after mm-hmm. the save. But the referee goes to VAR and everyone's like, "What is he looking at?" And he's just staring at the line. <laughs> so he's watching to see if the ball crosses over. Goal line technology says it does. The video is blocked. By the they, goal post. And, and what we see from the goal line technology is a I mean it's super is the close. ball, it's like like tiniest little microscopic no. gap of gray and the white line, but it's there. Yeah. On the VAR technology on the goal, goal line, line technology. technology. And VAR, you're looking at a post. Yeah. <laughs> trying to determine if the ball went over. But he says, you know what? No, I trust this video. I think VAR is overrules goal line technology, and I'm gonna take away the goal. And super, it just super strange. Really and there's no evidence that we could see, like on the broadcast, what he was looking at. Like there's, yeah. or there's no, we we maybe it's just we don't see what he's the evidence he's looking at, but that wasn't available to us. But that's something that hopefully will come out in the next couple of days. Like what the fuck actually happened? Because yeah, it's, it's I, we've never had an instance since goal and technology was introduced that it's been wrong, <laughs> like that I can remember. Yeah, I like there's, I've never, I can't remember head. any glitch in that system that we've, that's been reported. Where they have said it hasn't crossed the line when there's a player on the line, right? Because if there's a player on the line, the technology has trouble seeing the ball cross mm. because there's a player there, right? Uh-huh. So it can't really differentiate the ball from the player. But I've never seen it where it says it's a goal and it wasn't a goal. Yeah, very, very uh, weird. It's a little bit disturbing if that was a, a thing that actually ended up mattering. 
Yeah, would have but been, it could have been had the potential to be one of the biggest controversies we've ever seen. And the Fiorentina Matriot didn't though, because I think it was Mandragora not long after that adds the second for nah. Fiorentina. Sapanara. That was Sapanara. Oh yeah, sorry. Mandragora scored the, the first one. one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sapinara scored the idiot. second, and yeah. it was very quickly after that whole debacle restarted. Yeah, kind basically of didn't end time. up matter. Braga had to sort of you yeah. know risk stuff, mm-hmm. and they ended up not getting any closer than the four two. But for a moment Overall, there, did we, add a goal for himself yeah. too later. For a on, moment um, we thought we might have an interesting, yeah. interesting tie. But should also give credit to Bonaventura three yeah. assists today mm. on. So great performance from him playing in the midfield. And we talked about Fiorentina maybe having one of the better midfields in this competition and having to win the battles there to advance. And mm. they did that today, despite playing Alessandro Bianco for, I think, I can't remember another time he started this year. He's 20 years old, uh, fitting into that midfield really well. It's a tough midfield to break into. Yeah, well, it's probably Fiorentina's best performances of the season yeah, it's, <laughs> over the course of two games. Yeah, at least in this competition. Um, yeah. They looked way better than they have. Obviously, they're in like 13th in Syria right now. So, yeah. um, you know, this is our only chance into Europe is winning this competition at this point. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, that brings us to the draw results. Mm-hmm. Um, where is AEK going to play? Well, obviously, they're going to play in Cyprus first. Then where are they yes. playing second t- leg? So after they, in all likelihood, win in Cyprus because they haven't lost in Cyprus. Yeah, they, in yeah it's impossible time. for them to lose in Cyprus. Uh, they play in London at the London Stadium. The hammers. Operated by West Ham. The hammers. Yes. Uh yeah, that's a that's a t- tough break for AEK. But um yeah, one of the tougher draws. One of the three teams West we Ham. really didn't want to draw. West Ham but aren't playing great. So they're, they're not. They're in chance. the bottom three. <laughs> and they is... haven't been scoring. The fact that they've played 21-22 games and are 18th with the squad they have is mm-hmm. I'm not I'm honestly surprised it's not more of a story right now. Because it's like, I mean, Sevilla was down there for a minute, they seem safe now uh valencia is actually in the bottom three right now yeah um but other than that it's it's hard to think of a bigger story in terms of like size of club that is in a relegation fight they shouldn't be in um you know you still have to back west ham but that it's just a really weird situation that i feel like isn't even being talked about as much as you'd think david well, Moyes is clinging to life yeah and it's in happened that before job. for west ham and they've gone down before they, just have a, they went down but didn't they, they were, go down in f- like 15 well i was thinking oh two or three because that squad was called too good to go down oh I was shit. Like, I think they were the only team to go down with more than four. Is that when they had, what's his name, the history. Italian guy? Um, I don't remember who was on that team. Uh, David James, Joe Cole, Michael Carrick. The Canio, Jacobo, yeah. The Canio. Canio has one there. of the most famous Premier League goals in history. Yeah. Uh, he was a good player. Yeah. A lot yeah. of good players on that team, and they still Scary. went down, So I'm wondering how long Moyes has if they... But, um, I mean, that being said, and it puts them in a little interesting position in this competition because... You know, you if you're like mid table or whatever, it's like yeah, you prioritize this competition because you could actually win it, and then you can make Europe again for yeah. the third straight season. However, uh, you don't prioritize the Conference League when you're actually at risk, risk of getting relegated to the second tier relegation. Yeah. yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see how we man. I mean, they have a pretty large, like decent, uh, squad for rotation, but it'd be interesting to see how much he rotates, yeah. especially with important games on the weekend I fixtures think- coming. Yeah, the reason if they were a team that was struggling, it's a long trip, it's as long as they could possibly go, yeah. and which is going to be tough for them to yeah. go to Cyprus. If they were a team that was struggling in the league defensively or in mm-hmm. midfield, I might say, okay, this is like, they're going to fix it. They're still a better team than Lanarka. Yeah, but they're struggling to score. They're str- they're creating chances. And they're not finishing them too. Yeah, right. And I think that is where if you're a team like Lanarka who is going to be able to sit back and force some tougher chances for them, 
you'll have a chance to you know sneak a nil nil or one yeah. one. So I think I think Lenardo will be tougher than like the average fan will think, but yeah. um, it's still West Ham will still be pretty satisfied with that, given that they could have gotten. One of the two Italian teams we're about to talk to well, talk yeah. about. They couldn't have gotten. Oh yeah, they could have. Sorry, absolutely. Have I would have my mind switched. Uh, uh, Fiorentina. Fiorentina. Who did they draw? They drew Sivaspor and Fiorentina. They'll be thrilled with that. Yeah, they already went to <laughs> Turkey this year. They played Bishakshi here. Got their ass beat. Yeah, uh, but 3-0. they did win the reverse leg, I believe, right? Or drew it. They drew. drew I think. Yeah. After Bishakshi had already confirmed top spot. Yeah. Um. So Fiorentina chance to maybe right that wrong and win in Turkey this time. Shouldn't be a problem. Sivaspor is not very good. <laughs> Lazio get a one of the tougher draws they could have had. Yeah. Azed Alkmaar. Yeah, it's a tough one. Who are a good team. Lazio. That should be a real tie. Lazio struggled in the Netherlands already this year. Yeah, and they struggled against Cluj. Uh-huh. So they'll have to show up. They've struggled uh-huh. in Northern Europe. They got their ass beat by Michelin. Mm-hmm. And they're asked beat by Feyenoord, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did also beat Feyenoord pretty heavily yeah. in Italy, but... We'll see. This is a definitely. I also, not... I said earlier in the podcast they finished second. In the group. They finished third. I'm sorry. Yeah, I they went down. Yeah, I misspoke. Um, that was in the Europa League. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Lech Poznan, the They're working class stay heroes, stay in Scandinavia. They take on Jurgarden. Woohoo! That'll be a fun. Also, we haven't started their league. Yeah. So um, Lech getting those rusty teams. Maybe they can make a little bit of a run. Finished n- second best in the last year in their title race. It mm-hmm. should be an interesting one. Yeah. Um, Basel, where's Basel? Go- They're going to be playing Sloven Bratislava. Nice. Not, a, teams, not too long of a trip. Not too long of a trip. Two teams that people didn't expect to be here at this point in the competition. So yeah, and I have no it's idea fun. what to expect from either of these teams. No. Any, it's been a while since we've seen Sloven play. <laughs> yeah, that's a total toss up. Um, where is Sheriff's Sheriff Tiraspol going? They got a nice draw. Did they, they got nice, nice. <laughs> I see what yeah. you did there. Yeah, so these are in much better form. Mm-hmm. Uh. Since they fired Lucy and Favre, this is a hack. If they drew this right in November, mm-hmm. I might have favored Sheriff. Yeah, to be completely honest, Lucy and Favre is just not yeah. the right person. We've seen Sheriff these. put in some decent performances against good teams this year, though. I mean, they, yeah. they've beaten all the teams they should have beaten, or you know, it's like a, you know, a toss up. Yeah. And you know, they gave United and Sociedad some games. I mean, they yeah. weren't ever going to win, but, but they were competitive yeah. for some of them. It'll, they'll, they're not. They're not like a fun team to play, you know. No. They're not gonna Nice are gonna not have like a ton of joy, I don't think, but still you take that draw if you're there. Yeah. Anderlecht? They got Villarreal. Oh lovely. That's gonna be a tough draw for them, but Villarreal not playing great right now. So yeah. Another one. It's a lot of teams in here coming in. Weren't they in kind of weren't they in form. a group together? They no. Were they not? No. No. I don't no. think so. Uh, I have a memory of them playing each other for some reason. Maybe not. No, because then Lech was in their group. Never mind. I'm wrong. No. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Right. Well, I'm going to check. What's were... Anderlecht in a group with? Anderlecht were in a group with Silkborg, South Bucharest, West Ham. Oh, West Ham. That's yeah. who I was thinking They of. have not played Villarreal before. Yeah, that's who ever. I was thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Well, Villarreal will probably be happy with that. Yeah. I was going to um, look and see if maybe there was like one from a couple years yeah. past. that I was Probably not the with. easiest draw, but like, I mean, Anderlecht are just so mediocre this year. Yeah. I'd be okay with that if I was them. And uh, finally, Ghent is playing who? Istanbul, Bashakcha here. Oh, well, well, yeah. well. Looked great in their group stage. They... Yeah, well, have they fallen back a little bit in the league? I think so. Yeah, I believe um, so. I think uh, Galatasaray is like dominating, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think Fenerbahce is in second. second yeah. But um, uh, beyond Bacchia, that, they're still third. in third. Yeah. yeah. Their form is still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, They're looking good for, you know, fin- getting a Champions League spot for next year or qualifying spot. Mm-hmm. Um, But uh, this one is, you again, you favor Bashakcha here, but. This is one of those that, like, from a team like Ghent, I think they're sitting fifth in Belgium. You just never have any fucking idea with the, <laughs> with these teams in this competition. Um, we're always surprised by a couple of these ties, especially these like 
Benelux and Northern Scandinavian teams who just there's no correlation between their domestic form yeah. and their European form. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about before we head out? Yeah. Uh, some winners and losers of the round. Yes, I think the big winner needs to be the Italian teams. They had four teams in this round, which was, you know, not where they wanted to be. They obviously wanted Fiorentina uh-huh. to top their group. They wanted Lazio to at least qualify for the Europa League knockouts. Yeah. Uh, Juventus to be in the Champions League, mm-hmm. but they won all four. And they're doing great in the B tier. Yeah. Well, they're also doing great in the Champions League. The, yeah, that's true. They didn't are. allow a single goal in the first leg of their yeah, Champions they had League. Good, they had and, good first legs. Yeah. They're looking good one, to get like three teams in. Maybe. Yeah. Juventus only allowed one goal. Roma only allowed one goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lazio didn't allow a single goal. Inter didn't allow. Oh, you're Inter. Good. Yeah, I was going through the yeah, Europe, yeah, yeah. Okay. Europe. And yeah. Fiorentina allowed two, but the tie was kind of dead after the first leg anyway. Mm-hmm. So really great performances. It looks like Catanaccio is back on those on the menu for these yeah. guys. And they have a really good chance to get at least one team through in the conference Obviously. league. Yes. Um, Fiorentina, you'd have to say might be the biggest favorite over anybody else in the, yeah, except just, maybe West Ham and AEK. Like yeah. if I had to pick a betting favorite, like personally, it would be Fiorentina over Sivispor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Especially with how they looked in this tie. Yeah. Um, Spraga should be substantially harder than Sivispor. Braga third in Portugal right now. So yeah. Braga, we did, we talked about it last week. How much they laid an egg that first that first leg. Yeah, that was disappointing from them. Um, but anyway, the big losers though got to be the French. Three teams French. eliminated, wah, wah. and only two teams remain in Europe. One is Nice, who have Sheriff and should be able to advance to the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. That is PSG, who lost at home to Bayern in and the Champions League. And will be knocked out. Yeah, it's going to be a tough year for French coefficient. Yeah. David's favorite thing. Yeah, and they honestly, if uh, AZ or Feyenoord are able to go on the little run. Mm-hmm. The Dutch could catch them. Ooh, the Dutch could move ooh, up into fifth from seventh. Ooh, wee. So be that? careful of that. Another okay, will. penalty lovers. Love yeah. penalties. Four love penalty shootouts, 16 yeah. ties. Yeah. 25%. percent Yeah. Great. That's just good math. And I think the losers, bar. Bar. Bar had a tough one. Yeah. And referees just and stupid general. red cards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the biggest loser was our earbuds listening to Galazzo. <laughs> It was a tough line today. Manchester United in that lady's name? I don't like her. I don't like her. And Freddie isn't good. Honestly, I'm sorry, Freddie. You're just not good. She's fine if she's not talking about Manchester no, United. I don't think she, most of, at one point, we learned um, on the Glasgow show this week that uh, uh, if you score your penalty, it's a good penalty. And if you don't, it's a bad penalty. Yeah. That was something that was said on the yeah. broadcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go through these Conference League gut picks really quick. Yeah. Who you got? AEK, West Ham. I've taken West Ham. Same. Fiorentina, Sivaspor. Fiorentina. Fiorentina. Lazio Alkmaar. Uh yeah, Lazio, uh, yeah. but you yeah, never same, trust Lazio. Same. Uh Lech and Jurgardens. I'm taking Lech. Jurgardens, I believe, sold uh another center back. So Love it. Which one? Ek- Which I of your Ekdal favorite centers? Oh no. I think he went to Burnley. Oh, that's Which a great game. I get. think that's a great game. I love that. Especially with Burnley's prep. new yeah, new style. Burnley's yeah. way clear in the championship. Yeah, so um, it's a good time to get him. I love that. I love that. Time yeah, we should talk about that next, next uh, when we hit Drew Garden soon. Mm-hmm. Basil, Slovan Bratislava. Um, that's a tough one. I know you have no idea, right? I I'm gonna I'm, take Basil. Okay, I'm gonna go Slovan just to be different. Cool. Sheriff Nice. He's going Sheriff. Calling the upset. Love it. I'm gonna take Nice. Okay. Andre like Villarreal. Villarreal. Ghent Bashakshir. I'm going Bashakshir. Same, but maybe not 100% sure. Okay. I That one, I don't know. That one, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, shock you. Yeah, yeah. And then... I don't trust the Turkish team. That's fair. <laughs> um. Anyway. Don't trust uh, the Turkish team as far as you can I throw them. I think that's going to wrap it up for that. This was a long one. Thank, mm-hmm. There's a lot to cover. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, 
more great European football in our future. Yeah. Um, a lot of exciting ties, especially in the Europa League. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, these who ties be, uh... kick off on March 9th, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Max will be overseas in Japan at the time. Not on March 9th. Not on March 9th? Be in oh, LA. that's when you're in LA. Okay, when do you go to Japan? Uh, the 19th. Okay, so you'll be back for the second leg. Then. Yeah. Good. Yeah, All we right. might have to Zoom record the first the first leg okay. in when I'm in LA. do that. Um, I'm a world traveler. Yes. Um, Very cultured. As of three weeks from now. Um, yeah, so who should, should be cheers to, do you think? Who deserves the cheers? We already did Ten Hog last week. Yeah, so we can't do Ten Hog again. Who is the, who is the next most deserving? Maybe, uh, ooh, who pulled the biggest upset? Uh... Nobody. <laughs> Fair. Nobody really did. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. It felt very like normal performance. You know what? Let's do um. Let's do Javi Alonso. I feel like he's done a good job. Javi Alonso. Yeah, I love it. So cheers to Javi Alonso. Cheers to Javi Alonso. See ya.